Let's stand for the reading of God's Word tonight. Esther chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 13 down through verse 17. The Bible says there, Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Go gather together all the Jews that are, I'm sorry, verse 15. Then Esther bade them return uh, Mordecai this answer, Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shusan and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Tonight, the name of the study is this, Saved by the Queen. Saved by the Queen. Let's pray. God, I pray tonight you'd help us as we look at a story that is familiar to some and maybe not so familiar to others. And Lord, um, may you remind us of, of some old truths, God, that uh, that we need to be reminded of on a regular basis. And Lord, uh, this book, your name is not in it once, but your hand, your fingerprints all over the, the pages of this story. Lord, as you guided and and you led, and Lord even had a sense of humor at times through it. And Lord, as we look at this story tonight, I pray that uh, you'd, you'd uh, be with us tonight and guide us. Guide me as I speak, and Lord, uh, guide the ears of the listeners as they listen. And Lord, may you move in our midst, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I'll give you one introductory thought, and then we'll jump right into the outline tonight. And here's the thought. God likes to use insignificant people to conquer the unlikely. God likes to take people that don't seem uh, to be anything uh, to society, seem to be the downcast, the down and out, and He will use them to do just the most unbelievable and uh, things. And I believe the reason why God likes to do that is because when He uses someone who's a nobody, He uses someone who uh, is um, not who's who in the class, but more like who's that of the class. When He uses those kind of people, He gets more of the credit he gets more of the praise, and God, as we know from the Scripture, does not like to share His glory with anyone. And keep that thought in mind tonight as we go, go throughout the book of Esther. Um, this is a story that's told, and the book has uh, many names in it, but the main characters of the book are King Ahasuerus. King Ahasuerus was the king of the Medes and the Persians. He would have been the king of the largest kingdom of the world at that time. In chapter 1, we find Queen Vashti. And uh, Queen Vashti, as we'll see in a minute, she would disobey the king, uh, tell him no to something that uh, uh, was very uncomfortable for, that was being asked of her, and she would be dismissed. You find Mordecai. Mordecai is a Jew, and she ends up, or uh, he is the uncle of Hadassah. Hadassah um, is uh, the young lady uh, in the story who is brought into the, the uh, kingdom and later becomes Queen Esther, uh, for whom the book's named after. And then the, uh, the other main character of the book is the guy, this guy, Haman. Haman is the advisor to the king, and Haman is maybe the chief anti-Semitic of the Bible, definitely uh, of the story here. Hates the Jews and wants to see them eliminated. So we're going to jump, with that in mind, we're going to jump right in tonight, and we're going to rush through the book here and try to draw out as many good things from it as we can. And so we're going to look at nine thoughts from the book of Esther, 
in nine thoughts. I promise we'll be done by 8.15. Let's jump right in. Number one, notice the word conflict. Conflict. Right off the bat in chapter 1, we find uh, King Ahasuerus, and he's having this really, really big party. And uh, he's having all these people in, and uh, he, he had the wealth of the world as disposal and uh, the party went on for days and there was a lot of things that went on including drinking and in his drinking and in his drunken state he desired to have uh, the queen brought in and showed off in front of the people look down at verse number 10 of, of, of chapter 1 there the bible says on the seventh day when the heart of the king was merry with with wine he commanded mahuman bistha harbona bigtha and uh, uh, abag Abagtha, Zether, and uh, Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with a uh, crown royal to show the people and the princess her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth. And his anger burned in him. Now as I read this, I think back to my days as a teenage uh, young man and uh, uh, hanging out with my friends. And maybe one of my friends would ask a girl out in front of a, a large group of people and she would turn him down. And everyone would just bust the guy's chops. Ah, you got turned down in front of everybody. And here you have Ahasuerus, the king of the world. And he asks his wife to come out and show off her beauty to all of the princes of the land, maybe even other visiting kings that were there, and she shut him down. She said, no way, no how, I'm not a piece of meat, I'm not coming out there and showing off my beauty just uh, so you can show off your trophy wife. And uh, uh, some have implied that maybe his request... Uh, was uh, was more devious than others. I'm, I'm not going to go there, but I will say this. Vashti stood up for what she believed, and she wouldn't give in for something that she was very uncomfortable with. And this brought great conflict in the house, uh, in the king's house, in the palace. The Bible says there in verse 12 that the king was very wroth. His anger burned in him as he was embarrassed in front of uh, everyone at this party. And so the king began to ask his, his advisors, what should I do to my wife? What should I do to Vashti? And the advice was, listen, sir, if word gets around uh, your uh, your uh, uh, kingdom that, that your wife stood up to you and you didn't do anything about it, this is going to empower all the wives to rebel against her husband. You better come down hard. You better lower the hammer. And so uh, he said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let her have it. And so he dismissed her from being queen and out the door Vashti went. Uh, how many of you remember Veggie Tales from back in the day? Veggie Tales. How many of you ever seen the Esther Veggie Tales? I'm trying to explain this to a child's difficult. And the reason that why in Veggie Tales that the king dismissed the queen was because she would not make him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Pretty clever, right? Not quite in line with Scripture. I don't know if they had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches back then. But uh, anyway, uh, so he dismissed the queen. So number one, we see chapter one is all about that conflict. Number two, notice the word choosing. Choosing. And here's where we find that insignificant little nobody that God's going to use to do something great. Look down with me at Esther chapter two and verse number five. By the way, the, the, the city of Shushan or the area of Shushan is where the Jews 
congregated and lived and uh, it, it, during this uh, reign of the uh, Medes and Persians. Look at verse 5. Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with a captivity, which had uh, been carried away with uh, Jeconia, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, uh, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when his father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. And so Esther here is brought up uh, in the in the uh, whole uh, carrying away of the of the various people, and uh, Esther or Hadassah uh, grows up as an orphan girl being raised by her uncle, no mom, no dad on the scene. We don't know how they die. Could have it possibly been that they were killed as the Babylonians came in and raided, and and uh, and Mordecai was taken away in the captivity and grabbed up baby, uh, the, uh, grabbed her up as a baby. Could have it been she was born there in Babylon and her parents died. Uh, we don't really know, but we know this is that Hadassah and her name there uh, in the native language would have been Esther. Esther was a very, very beautiful young lady and the day came where Esther would be chosen uh, to go into this pool of girls that uh, the king would look at to choose to be his next wife. Uh, the, the backstory there is that the king, uh, the king's advisor said, hey, listen, why don't you go throughout the land and collect all the fair virgins of your kingdom and have them brought in and, and, and they can be prepared and made ready and they can be presented to you one at a time and the one that you like the best, that one can be your queen. And you say, well, what kind of preparation did they go through? Well, right there in the, in the middle of the chapter, we see that uh, Esther and all the other girls were bathed in one type of perfume for six months and then bathed in a whole other type of perfume for another six months. Uh, perfume literally uh, came oozing out of the pores of these girls and they prepared the them for the king. And I'll just insert this here quickly is that, listen, you ought not go flippantly into the presence of God. If, if these girls had to be prepared this much to even enter the presence of a secular king, how much more cleaned up and purified should we be when entering the presence of a holy God to worship him and to talk to him? And uh, this week I, I, I used some phrase uh, and, and it had God's name in it in some way and God struck me in my heart immediately and He said, you preach against vain usage of my name. That's pretty close right there. And immediately I had to bow my head and confess that. My friend, God does not like us to just flippantly worship Him, flippantly throw His name around, flippantly approach Him in prayer. We're to prepare ourselves. And Esther prepared herself. Esther took this seriously. And she was advised by her um, uncle Mordecai, don't tell them of your nationality or your ethnicity. Keep that to yourself. And so that stayed a secret. Look down at verse number 17. The day came for Esther's turn to be presented before the king. Esther 2.17, the Bible says, And the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen 
instead of Vashti. Much like Joseph going from the pit, going from a prison all the way to second in command, here you have Esther, who's a little nobody. She's She is a orphan girl that is being raised in a captive land as a captive, and she goes from being this orphan little captive girl to now she is the queen of the greatest country or the most powerful country of that day. Listen, God raises up and He puts down. Don't ever forget that. It's God that raises up and it's God that puts down. That promotion that you get at work, God endorses that. God allows that. It's not because you're something special or something great and God may use your track record to help get you there, but it's God that gives and it's God that takes away. And I'm reminded of James 4.10 that says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and what will He do? He will lift you up. He'll lift you up. When we humble ourselves, He lifts us up. We lose our life to keep it, the Bible instructs. And so, uh, uh, Ezra, or rather Esther was chosen, the choosing. She was chosen to be the queen. And oh boy, how, how awesome that must have been for Esther to go from living in some humble abode as a peasant girl to now wearing the finest of clothes and living in the prettiest of palaces and, and, and being the, the, the first lady of the, uh, the, of that empire there, the Medes and the Persians. So, number two, we see the choosing. Number three, we see conspiracies. Conspiracies. You can't have a good medieval story without there being some conspiracies involved. Amen. And so uh, es- the book of uh, Esther gives us some good conspiracies. The first conspiracy we'll look at letter A is against the king. Against the king. Look down at uh, Esther chapter 2 and verse 21. In those days while Mordecai, Mordecai sat in the king's gate to the king's chamberlains, uh, Bigthan and uh, Teresh of those which kept the door were wroth and sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who, who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. So these two guys are conspiring about the king. And, and I guess they uh, didn't like the way something went. And, 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 and so they decided they were going to try to conspire against the king. And, and word got into Mordecai's ear, who sat in the uh, gate there, Mordecai being the uncle of, of now the queen, and so Mordecai got the word uh, anonymously uh, uh, past these guards, past these chamberlains, and on to Esther, and Esther on to the king, and the king had him hung, and the problem was eliminated, and this whole account was recorded in the book of the Chronicles, or the history books of the kings. Letter B, we see another conspiracy here, and that would be against the Jews. Against the Jews. Look down with me at verse number 5. And here we find the king, king's advisor uh, introduced to us uh, in the passage. Uh, look at verse 5 here. The Bible says, When Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reference, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. So here you have uh, uh, Haman, and, and he was uh, an advisor to the king. He was very high up in the government, and everywhere he went, the people were to stop what they were doing, and they were to bow to him. And Mordecai refused to bow to Haman. Would not do it. Would not bow to Haman on any way, in any way, any shape, or any form. And that just ate 
Haman up. How dare you not bow down to me? And every, every time that Haman walked by and Mordecai would not bow, uh, uh, what, what did Haman do? Haman got more angry and more angry. And the day came where his anger was so strong and pent up uh, uh, toward Mordecai that he decided he was going to have him eliminated. But uh, he decided he was going to more than just have him eliminated. He was going to have all the Jews eliminated. All the Jews eliminated. Well, that was a very dangerous thing to try, as we'll see in a minute. Look down with me at verse number 8 of Esther chapter 3. And so Haman's working hard to try to uh, sell this to the king without giving away the group of people he wants to kill. And he's going to use his... Uh, clout. He's going to use the trust of the king in him uh, to try to eliminate the Jews. Look at verse 8. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all people, neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of uh, Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Jews' enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. Now, this to me is peculiar that Ahasuerus doesn't say, well, which group of people? He doesn't even ask. He so trusted Haman that when Haman came to him and said, there's a group of people that aren't obeying your laws and they're a nuisance and, and they're rebels and we just need to have them eliminated. And again, the king had a large kingdom and Esther, I believe, one gives the size of the kingdom. And, and so uh, it, it was too much for the king to look over himself, but didn't even ask, didn't bat an eye, handed the ring over to Haman and said, hey, make it, make it happen, make it happen. Remember, remember back in Genesis chapter 12 where God promised Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse thee? What Haman did not realize is that he was bringing a death sentence upon himself by lining up against the Jews. Now, I, uh, I've said this from time to time, especially as we've gone through this study here. It bears repeating here. Um, why do Baptist Church will always stand behind the Jewish community? Christians need to stand behind the Jewish community. If America has one saving grace right now, it's that we are Israel's friend. And we better never stop being Israel's friend. And as a Baptist pastor, as the pastor of this church, I'm here to say uh, America needs to do more to support Israel. They're God's chosen people. And we've been promised that He's going to bless those that blessed them and cursed those that cursed them. And so Haman conspired against the Jews to have them eliminated. Number four, we see convincing. I've got to move quickly here. Convincing. Mordecai hears the news as this is being published and hailed. Town criers would take this law and read it in every area. Mordecai obviously is hearing the news like everyone else of the new law. And, and, and he's hearing how it came about and makes himself, Mordecai makes himself a public spectacle. How does he do this? Well, he tears his clothes. He, he puts on sackcloth. He puts ashes on his head, which is a biblical way of showing great grieving and great sorrow. And this 
clearly would get the attention of his niece, the queen, and uh, they, several notes would get passed back and forth between Mordecai and, and Esther by the different chamberlains. And the conversation basically says there, you've got to do something. Finally, Mordecai tells Esther a few things. He says, first of all, if you don't do anything, if you do nothing, you won't escape this. If you sit on your hands and you don't use the position you have to get it out in front of this and do something about it, uh, you and your family are going to be killed. The second thing he says, and I find this uh, to show Mordecai being a great man of faith, is that he says, God will send deliverance with or without you. Hey, Esther, God is not going to allow His people to be eliminated. It's not going to happen. And either He's going to use you to bring about the deliverance, or He's going to bring somebody else. But mark it down, uh, Esther, uh, uh, deliverance will come. And the third thing He challenges uh, Esther with was, Hey, you were born for this moment. This is why you were put on the planet. You were born for this time. Look at Esther 4.13 with me. Then Mordecai uh, commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You were put in this kingdom. You were chosen by uh, the king to be the queen for this moment right now. Here, my friend, God didn't just allow you to be born on accident. Uh, uh, some of you may uh, have been in an accident. Your parents might say, well, we weren't trying to have you, and, and, but here you are, and, and, uh, and, and all that. Angel and I, in our, our second apartment we lived in, right after we were married in year two, and that uh, was the apartment we brought our son Matthew home in. Uh, it was a, an apartment in not the nicest part of town, and we had this family that lived under us. They had like 18 children. I don't know, it wasn't that many, but it was a whole lot of kids, and they had this cute little girl, and uh, one day I was out in the hallway of the apartment, and she was standing there, and I said, Hey, sweetheart, what's your name? She said, my name is Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I started laughing. She said, why are you laughing? I said, one day you'll understand. Um, you may have been a surprise, but you weren't a surprise to God. And He put you on the planet for a reason. Are you living for you or are you living for Him? Are you trying and doing your best to seek out why God has you here? Or are you running around making money and, and, and running the rat race, if you will, running around the hamster wheel of life? Uh, she was put there for a reason, and she needed a mature Christian man in Mordecai to remind her, hey, you were put in that place, not so you could eat danishes and drink tea and, and play princess. You were put there for such a time as this. Number five, we see the word courage. Courage. In our, our main text we read earlier, verse 15 and 16, we see there that she commanded the Jews uh, to not eat or drink for three days. The Jews of Shushan, not to eat or drink anything for three days, but to fast and pray. Fast and pray. Why, why did she need them to fast and pray? Well, it, it was going to be a risky thing for Esther to, without petition of the king to just walk into his throne room. You see, if you walked into the king's throne room and he didn't hold out his scepter toward you, you were killed. 
you were killed. And you might think, oh, that's his wife. He wouldn't have her killed. Did you read chapter 1, what happened to Vashti? Add to that, it had been 30 days since the king had made contact with the queen. 30 days. Now, um, how would you feel if your husband went 30 days without talking to you? Now you're going to walk right into his presence, knowing if he's in a bad mood, off with your head? This was a risky move on her part. And so three days and three nights, she fasted and prayed with the chamberlains that helped take, took care of her, the maidens that helped take care of her. And she put on her prettiest outfit, I imagine. She put on the sweetest perfume she had, the king's favorite. She got all dolled up and, uh, and, and looked down at Esther chapter 5 and verse 1. It says there, Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house. I'm sure her heart was racing inside of her chest over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be given thee to the half of the kingdom. So she walks in. There's a, a really a good, well put together movie about the life of Esther. And you know, uh, when people put movies together, they try to make it as dramatic as possible. You know what I mean? And so they have this long throne room. It's like three football fields long. And she comes walking in. And the king's sitting there with this scowl on his face, right? And he's holding the scepter. And she's walking toward him. And, you know, it's just really, is he going to have her killed? And right at the very end, he's thinking, contemplating it. And he sticks the scepter out there. And he has this really big smile on his face like, ha, I gotcha. I don't think it was quite that dramatic. I think she walked in and he held out the scepter and smiled at her. But nonetheless, the larger point here is that it took courage. It took courage. My friend, sometimes to do the right thing takes courage. Sometimes to do what God wants you to do takes courage. And I would just say, do you have courage? Look, anybody can take the easy way out. Anybody can do that. Going down the hard road is often the right road, and God will give you that courage if you're willing to take Him up on it. Number six, quickly, we see the word cocky. Cocky. Back to Haman. Haman was cocky. And I've got a, a Esther 5, 9 through 14 here uh, in my notes to read. But uh, uh, instead of reading it, you know, well, let, let's, let's look through it here real quick. I'll read some of it, and then I'll, I'll break away, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit here. Verse 9, Then went Haman forth that day, joyful with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of in, indignation against Mordecai. So the, day, the days are counting down to the slaughter of the Jews but it had not yet reached that. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called his friends and Zeresh his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude 
of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman said, moreover, yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king into the banquet, but that she had prepared but myself, and tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the king. Yet uh, all this availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then said Zeresh his wife and his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak thou unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou merrily with the king unto the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. So, to back the story up a little bit, I got a little ahead of myself here. Uh, uh, when Queen Esther comes walking in, he, the king says, Whatever you want up to half the kingdom, it's yours. And she says, All I want is to have a banquet tomorrow with you and Haman. And so, she, or rather that same day. So, uh, Haman comes into this banquet, and, and uh, they're in there, and they're having a good time, and they're talking, and, and the king says, Hey, hey, whatever you want up to half the kingdom, and let me know. And she said, listen, all I want is to have another banquet tomorrow. And so tomorrow, if we could do this one more time, then I can uh, uh, tell you uh, what's what's on my heart. And so Naaman leaves, or rather Haman leaves thinking, oh, I'm the man. I had a a private uh, meal with the, the king and the queen, and I'm being promoted and all these wonderful things. And he has these gallows built and he is becoming very cocky he's becoming very arrogant uh in himself and what's the bible tell us pride goeth before a fall and we're going to see that fall here next number seven we see cruel irony cruel irony cruel irony is the idea that something totally gets flipped back around on you and we're going to see how things get totally flipped around on him here. Look at Esther chapter 6. Or rather, let me just uh, tell you this here, what happened here. So the king at nighttime can't sleep. You ever have one of those nights where you're just tossing and turning in bed all night? That ever happened to you? Some of you, you're asleep, your second hits the pillow, second your head hits the pillow there. But the king couldn't sleep and he was tossing and turning. And so what did he do? He did uh, what I've do, done from time to time. He called for the book of the Chronicles to be read. There was, there's times I can't fall asleep. I'll reach over, I'll grab my smartphone, I'll open up the Bible app, I'll find a list of names and I'll start reading until I fall asleep. Amen. Listen, the whole Bible has a reason. It, it's all there for something. And so, uh, uh, even that sometimes comes in handy. But the king has the chronicles being read to him and this is supposed to put him to sleep and they come across the reading in the history book or the book of the chronicles about Mordecai saving the life of the king. And he, he stops and he says, have we done anything for Mordecai? And 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 they say, well, I don't know. And and Haman uh, uh, happened to be walking through the palace, maybe at a, a long work night that night. And, and the king says, hey, who's out there? And they say, Haman. He said, well, hey, bring Haman in here. So Haman comes in and the king says, hey, Haman, uh, what should be done to the man in whom the king delighteth? And Haman says, well, they should uh, bring out the best of horse and they should put the king's robe on him. They should put a crown on his head. They should lead him through the streets and they should say, this is the man in whom the king uh, delighteth to honor. And obviously, Haman's thinking, he's talking about me. And the king looks at him. Look at verse 10. Esther 6.10 Then the king said to Haman, Make haste and take the apparel and the horse as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai, Mordecai the Jew, 
This sitteth at the king's gate, let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. You get to take your enemy number one, obviously the king doesn't know this, and you get to dress him up, you get to put a crown on his head, and you get to march him through the city on the horse, and you get to say, this is the man in whom the king delighted to honor. And in that I say, cruel irony. This is great. It gets even better. Look down at Esther chapter 7, and uh, and, and here we find the story where they come back to the second uh, banquet. And I'm, I'm really trying to move through this here quickly here. Uh, the second banquet there, and and uh, and they're there, and they're sitting there, and the king again says, uh, Esther, what can I do for you? Name up to half the kingdom. And Esther turns, and she says, uh, look at verse number 3 there, then, uh, then Esther, the queen, answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life uh, be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain and to perish. But if we had uh, uh, been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I, I would have held my tongue. Although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage, then the king Ahasuerus answered and said to the, and, and Esther the queen, Who is he? And where is he that durst pursue him in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was sore afraid before the, the king and the queen. So the king is just in a rage. He can't believe Haman has conspired in this way. So the king goes out to, to, to try to calm down a little bit. And while he's gone, uh, uh, Haman fears for his life. So he goes and he's trying to, he's probably got Esther by the shirt and he's shaking her, please, please don't have me killed. He falls down on the bed and, and the king comes back in and he thinks he's trying to force the queen. Look at verse 10. Uh, and, and the Bible says there, so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Cruel irony. He had the gallows built for his enemy, but instead he led his enemy through the street. Then he was hung on those very gallows. Number eight, we see the word conversions. Conversions. So, uh, from here what happens is that uh, uh, Mordecai and Esther are given the king's ring and the law can't be undone uh, as it stood. Uh, once a law had been put in place by the king's seal, that law was final. And so they gave the, uh, 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 the king gave his ring to Mordecai and Esther and said, write a new law to protect yourselves. And so they sure did. They wrote laws saying that on that day uh, where the Jews were to be exterminated, the Jews could gather together. One, they could defend themselves. Two, they could attack their own enemies. And, and look at verse number 17 with me of Esther chapter 8. This is really, really neat here. The Bible says, and if you're familiar with the story but haven't read the book in a while or not studied the book, you may have missed this before. The Bible says, and in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews. For the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Now I called Pastor Dave in my office after I read that. Pastor Dave's a Jew. And I asked him, I said, what does that mean? He said they became Christians. They became born again. They converted to Judaism, which back then believed in the Messiah to come. That would have been an accurate faith back then. And there were people who converted into believing in the Messiah because of this very thing. God took a mess and turned it into an absolute miracle. Took ashes and made beauty out of those ashes. Number nine, and lastly, we see cleansing. Cleansing, the word cleansing. Look with me at Esther chapter 9 and verse 15 and 16. The Bible says, For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the fourteenth day also of the month Adar and slew three hundred men at Shushan. 
But on the prey they laid not their hand. But the other Jews that were in the king's province gathered themselves together and stood for their lives and had rest from their enemy and slew of their foes seventy and five thousand, but they laid not their hands on the prey. Uh, What do we learn from this is that there were a bunch of people who hated the Jews and wanted to have them eliminated. And that day, and then uh, as you read down, there would be a couple more days that the king would allow this to continue. They were allowed to go ahead and eliminate those who sought their harm, sought to kill them. Why did all this happen? Because God chose an orphan girl to make her a queen. And Esther rose to the challenge. Hadassah uh, rose to the challenge. And she did what God had called her to do. My friends, you will never ever know how special your life can be until you live inside God's will and you accomplish God's will for you. And I would tell you this, don't sit there and say, little old me, I can't do anything. And look, uh, we all can make a million excuses my age. Some people say I'm too young. Some people say I'm too old. Uh, Some people say I'm not smart enough. And all the different various excuses. Listen, let's set the excuses to the side and let's say, God... I may not be much, but do something great with me. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening.